Welcome back to Over Here. My name is Nick Finzer, and today we are talking with the amazing trombonist and composer Peter Nelson, uh, originally hailing from Michigan. This is the second time we've had him on the show. Uh, he had an EP called Clock Stories, Volume 1, that came out back in January of 2018, and now we're back with uh, the full realization of his most recent project, Ash, Dust, and the Chalkboard Cinema. It's a really interesting project that talks a lot about Peter's uh, difficulties with the focal dystonia. If you don't know what that is, it's a nerve disease, not disease, but condition uh, that affects uh, brass players from time to time and other people uh, that affects their ability to play their instrument, uh, affects the embouchure and affects the muscles around the embouchure. Uh, so it's really debilitating. It's a really frustrating kind of situation to be in. I've had a bunch of friends that have had some difficulty with it. So uh, I'm really glad to say that Peter was able to come through on the other side uh, and be able to keep on playing and creating because he's such an innovative uh, composer and musician and visionary for his music. And I really look up to him as a model for someone who can fully realize um, a project from an artistic point of view and not not have to sacrifice anything and can really fully realize it in a 360 degree kind of way and be provocative. You know, that's something that I really look up to about Peter is his uh, choice of letting the audience make the decision of how they're going to interpret something. And we talk a little bit about that in today's interview. But I'm really excited to have Peter back, and he's going to tell you a lot more about his new album that came out on August 31st, just a few weeks ago, on Outside End Music, and that is Ash, Dust, and the Chalkboard Cinema. Go ahead and listen anywhere uh, that you like to listen, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, whatever, and uh, let us know what you think about his new record, on all those platforms. So without further ado, here's Peter Nelson and our conversation. All right, welcome back to Peter Nelson, composer, trombonist, vocalist extraordinaire, doing everything in New York. And I'm really excited to get bring him back on the show so we can talk about his new album that's coming out August 31st, 2018. It's actually tomorrow. We're talking on August the 30th. And uh, Peter, welcome back. Thanks so much, Nick. Thanks for having me. So I think the first thing we should address is uh, the new record. So tell us what's the new record, and it's coming out tomorrow, and just fill us in. For sure. Um, the new album is called Ash, Dust, and the Chalkboard Cinema. It's uh, it's an album I've been working on for a while. It kind of um, It's a chronological narrative on this experience that I went through that was a little bit crippling. We might have talked about it last time, but it's essentially from onset to rock bottom all the way to retraining and reconciliation. And uh, it's a, a narrative that's all about adversity to uh, release and to, to um, like the climax and, and, then, and then, like I said, reconciliation. So it's, that's, that's the story. That's the narrative. Yeah, so that story is about your dealing with the situation with the focal dystonia. And I think we did talk a bit about it on the first episode we did talking about um, – your EP that came out in January, Clock Stories, Volume 1. So before we dig too deep into the new record, let's take a step back. And so, like, what's been happening with you since then, since the last time we talked? That that came out in January, and, and so what's been happening? Um, man, that came out in January, and uh, since then I've been really blessed to receive a lot of, uh, a lot of really high compliments for that record, and... Um, a lot of a lot of love from the trombone community, from the jazz trombone community, and that's been nice to see, kind of internationally. 
Um, you know, we live in this really great age where people are connected digitally in so many different ways and so many different platforms. So it's it's great that that has been accessible. And I think that I think the jazz world particularly is whether it knows it or not, is kind of hungry for some really interesting trombone projects because just of the lack of representation uh, historically. So we are seeing so many incredible new trombonists these days writing such great music, such modern um, music that it's it's great to great to be a part of that influx of artists in in our particular medium yeah man uh so what what has been happening in the city i know you work a lot with your group uh hudson horns and and what else you've been doing uh i i do a lot of um i do a lot of singing and doing like the jazz standards kind of thing uh and then i'm booking my group and then i also have writing for this project that is about to be announced in about a month called road julia which is a trio project um, that's doing a whole bunch of like, uh, kind of, I, I, I hesitate to say Americana because although it's coming from that style, it's not like your traditional, like bluegrass kind of thing, but it's a, it's an Americana style trio that's doing, um, a lot of singer music that's very much influenced by jazz harmony and rhythm, but is coming texturally more from like a Sufjan Stevens, uh, Nick Drake, Elliot Smith kind of vibe. And you're going to be singing and playing trombone, or singing and playing a little bit of trombone. And then I'm working on I'm booking two tours currently for the for my quartet. Uh, one of which may actually be quintet, depending on budget. Featuring Alexa Barcini, the fantastic vocalist and good friend of mine. So uh, all that information is going to be available on my website. So I'll be announcing those tours as they start to solidify for 2019 and also 2020. Um, so that's that's kind of on the docket, and then I'm doing some upcoming shows, obviously, to celebrate the release of the current album. Um, so lots of music, lots of things happening. I'm very excited to be busy. So let's not wait any longer to tell everybody about this new the show for the new record. So uh, while we're thinking about it, why don't you let everybody know when that's happening? For sure. So. On October 19th, I'm doing a live show. It's going to be actually a live video and audio recording celebrating the release the release of uh, Ash Dust and the Chalkboard Cinema. Um, it's going to be at a studio called Wilson Live. It's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and tickets are going to go up on sale for that tomorrow. It's a small venue, so the tickets are going to be they're going to go pretty quick. So I would definitely get on that. And they're going to be on your website or on the venue's website. Uh, both. They'll be on my website. They'll be available at the web- venue's website. Um, I'll be posting. I post a lot to my Instagram um, as far as like kind of keeping updates. Everything is on my website, but as far as immediacy, Instagram is really the place to follow where I'm posting about performances. And it's just at Peter Nelson, I think. At Peter Nelson Music. Yeah, Peter Nelson Music. So make sure you're checking that out. Um, Awesome. And I'm excited for you. And that sounds like a really amazing space. Uh, So I want to check that out. And um, let's dig into this new record. So Ash Dust and the Chalkboard Cinema. So you said I know you said it was a it's about your journey through this struggle with focal dystonia. But uh, could you tell us some more about um, the title and kind of the concept behind it? And I know the album artwork is super interesting. And maybe you could share some insight there. For sure. For sure. Um, Man, there's so many uh, there's so many little things about this album. Like, um, I mean, there's a lot of thematic material melodically, but there's also a lot of like five, the number five represented, whether it be five four or whether it be five sections or this and that. And that's all about the journey was a five year journey. 
Um, but there's all these like little themes, but globally, kind of thinking of the whole project, it's it's essentially written as a suite, as a, a pretty long suite, meant to be listened straight through, and it's all chronological. Um, and it's bookended, the album is obviously bookended with this trio, uh, which is vibraphone, voice, and trombone. And that starts obviously at initial onset, and then right in the middle, rock bottom, and then at the very end, reconciliation. The last track is called uh, Closure is a Wasted Prayer. Um, and that's not actually as negative as it sounds immediately. It's just the idea of sometimes we wish for closure, but there's so many learnings in the process, right? The journey is how we got out of it to begin with. And I am a very different musician at the end of this as I was at the beginning and a very different person. Um, so to imagine, to wish for closure is almost a discredit to me. It's almost a discredit to the, to the learning and the whole process itself. So, um, it's, you know, like I said, it's chronological. It's meant to be listened all the way through. The title itself is intentionally ambiguous. I know a couple artists that do this, but I'm definitely somebody that writes kind of free form when I'm trying to name something. I, I, I think I wrote upwards of 120 some titles for this record. And I took different themes that I really liked and some, wrote some really long and then some super short until I found something that was right in the middle that really represented what I meant and what I wanted to say while at the same time keeping it slightly ambiguous so and slightly abstract so that people could interpret and experience in their own way. I don't really want to take that away from people's experience, you know, their own, their own way of interpreting something. Well, that's super interesting to me uh, as an artist. And so, so can you tell me like more about that process for you? Like how do you come up with those ideas? For sure. Uh, definitely when I'm trying to name something, I'll often have a story or something that already happened before, before I write the tune. That's not all, always the case, but very often in my writing, there's a pre-existing narrative or some kind of compositional agenda as far as the story that I want to tell. But when I'm thinking, when I'm thinking more glo globally, uh, like naming, naming an entire album, I will write down essentially like, first I'll start with really long titles. I'll just write everything totally clearly. And then I'll start to write in metaphor and then I'll just start to write totally abstract and I'll take the small like snippets from this and that like ash dust emerged kind of in like the twenties or thirties of where I was writing. And I already had the idea in my mind actually of naming another group chalkboard cinema, but for some reason it actually made way more sense. It just kind of serendipitously made way more sense with this project. And it took me a long time to put those two together. There were some other possibilities for names that I won't even go into. They're so ridiculous, but, um, this something that's really important to me is the visual experience of saying something out loud and to me ash dust and the chalkboard cinema there's so much visual um there's so many vis visual components of that name and you know we have these pre-existing uh relationships with ash dust, right putting something to rest the idea of death or moving forward or something coming to an end and then the chalkboard cinema being this continuous narrative of of something that's that's changing all the time and and uh, and can be erased, but there's always on a chalkboard there's always something uh, left behind, right? There's always you can kind of see what was written a little bit. No, nothing is ever truly erased on chalkboards. We all know that from growing up, you know, with chalkboards. Maybe I don't know, you know, if kids these days really know, but we know from growing up with chalkboards that nothing ever gets erased and they always look messy. 
Um, so there's always the imprint of that. And I think that's represented in the album art as well. Francis did an amazing job on that. The album art is actually, you can see on my Instagram and on my website as a GIF. It's a four panel um, rotating piece that is kind of like a digital, really, really scaled down representation of a flip book. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really important to me about the, the child version of myself and also the adult version of myself sitting next to one another looking at this chalkboard and then the child getting up and leaving. So whatever that represents to you metaphorically, I won't, I won't talk too much about what it represents to me because I've already probably said too much. I don't want to corrupt your experience as a listener. Um, but that was the thought, some of the thought process and some of the experience behind writing that. So are there any uh, artists that you think of that also do this, that you try to model after, just in terms of your conception of how the audience experiences the art? Yeah. Um, I mean, I really, I really love Ambrose Akinmusery, and I've loved him since, I, since the very first time I heard in 2007, since I heard him at the Monk competition. Um, that's been, he's been somebody that I've followed and that I really respect the way that his music is not only a representation of his own experience, but it's the story, the storytelling and these narratives that are socially relevant, that have uh, impact outside of just his own, you know, immediate experience as an artist. And, and um, I think, I think that even since like, you know, even since Greco Roman times, art has always been such a, a representation of, of, the culture, like current culture, and also has been a visualization, has been a medium for visualization of what culture could be. This is especially relevant, I think, in like the 19, the early 1900s, and even even through like mid 1900s, when artists were really vocal about what they were trying to do, um, and what the way they were trying to change society. And I feel like Ambrose does that in a way that's not pretentious. I feel like Ambrose does that in a way that is not immediately about himself. Uh, it's really about the work, and it's really about what it represents, and it's not just an ode to his ego which I see, maybe that's me projecting, but I, I see that in a fair amount of other artists, especially maybe in like more pop idioms. So I'm, I'm very excited about the stuff he's doing and a lot of artists very much like him. Yeah, I guess I know what you mean. I'm just, I find this to be just a fascinating conversation and uh, it's one that definitely, or just in general, people talking about learning how to talk about art or learning about how, they want their audience to experience the art is definitely, I don't know. It's not something that gets talked about that often. It's like interesting to me and it definitely has a profound impact on, on the music itself and the experience and just kind of everything about the project. And, and so anyway, I just, I really look up to you about that, that you have this conception, you know, about this kind of stuff. And it gives me more things to think about, you know, when I'm trying to create my stuff too. So thank you. Um, so now that we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, the broad strokes of the album, you know, who, who's on the, who's on the record and is everybody going to be there when you're doing the tours? Or are you kind of rearranging everything? So, uh, firstly, yes, it is definitely rearranged, uh, very intentionally. So, and I can tell you about that in a minute, but, um, the people on the record, there are three different ensembles. There's a trio featuring Nicara Warren on vibraphone and Alexa Barcini on voice. There's a quartet featuring Itai Morchi on drums, Raviv Markowitz on bass, and Willem Delisfort on the piano. And then there's a septet, which is the quartet with the addition of Josh Lawrence on trumpet, Haley Niswanger on saxophone, and Yuma Uesaka on bass clarinet. 
and um, so those are the musicians on the on the record. And I have such I have such unique relationships with everybody. Like Yuma, I've known uh, since high school. Like I've known him forever. Um, Nikki, I teach Nikara. I teach with uh, in the Brooklyn Friends School. Actually, I'm on faculty there uh, in the music department. And um, and then uh, Alexa, like we sang in David Berger's vocal quartet together when it was for, you know like when she moved, first moved to the city. It was really so I have these really unique relationships with everybody, and I thought it was really special to bring everyone in together. I love I love everybody. Josh, I I played with Josh every Monday for the better part of two and a half years with Orrin Evans band. Um, and so it's a really special cast of characters. And uh, the on the live shows, we're actually doing a very scaled down version. We're just doing a quintet for everything. And we're going to, on the 19th, we're going to record, do audio and video recordings of that. And we're actually going to release that as essentially like remixes to the album, which isn't really a big thing so much in straight ahead jazz or instrumental jazz. I see it a lot. I mean, obviously, like, the concept of remix is really relevant in like nineties and, and early two thousands hip hop. Um, I think it's like a, such a cool concept that we really haven't done that much. And so I'm very excited to essentially play a lot of this music, not all of it, but a lot of this music in a new setting rearranged melodically, um, for a quintet with Alexa and myself fronting it. So it'll be voice trombone fronting. Nice. That'll be yeah. cool. That'll be very cool. So sure. there's some of the same, you know, characters that are appearing here as your last project from this year or your first project from this year. Uh, do you find that there's a connection between the two or do you feel like they're kind of separate? Absolutely. So I think I might have told the story last time, but I'll tell it really briefly. So when I was putting together the band for Clock Stories Volume 1, um, it, the rhythm section was super important. I already knew who I wanted in the horns. I, I knew I wanted to feature Haley and myself on two tracks and I knew I wanted Alexa and myself on another two um, but as far as the rhythm section, I love Willem Delisford. I love Willem's playing. I've known his playing since, since college. Um, and he's just, you know, an incredible player. And I knew, I, I knew I wanted him. And then Itai, I play with in Hudson Horns a lot and Itai is fantastic. And I love, I love playing with Itai in so many different settings. And I was really excited cause I played with Raviv, but Itai and Raviv had never played together. So bass and drummer had never played together. And which was strange to me because their pocket was so similar their pocket was so compatible. So having them on Clock Stories Volume 1 uh, playing together was just incredible. The the looks in the rehearsal, like when they first started playing together, was was just priceless. I, I'll never forget that and the way that it immediately gelled rhythmically. So it felt only natural to have them again. Uh, and they will also be appearing on a, a, a new project. Um, or not new project. They will also be appearing on clock stories volume two, which, um, hopefully will be released around the first of the year. We can, you know, that's something we can maybe talk about later, but that's, uh, so the, that particular vibe between Itai and Raviv is so special to me. Yeah. It's not all the time you can find a, a duet of uh, rhythm section players that hook up like that. So, and you got to be the, uh, the instigator. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's been a pleasure to to sit back and watch. So, is there anything else you want to add to the you know the story about this record, the conversation? Uh, maybe where people can listen to it. For sure, uh, it's going to be available on all streaming platforms: Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, um, iTunes, obviously. And then 
there's also physical copies. We didn't make a whole lot of physical copies, so they will probably go quick. But there are physical copies um, available on Amazon. Um, there are links. There's links on my website. Um, and um, I would also like to say that this this album it's it's, it's noted pretty frequently uh, in the way that I've been putting it out. But I would like to say just also uh, that this album is dedicated to Jan Kagerais. And Jan is the the person who really brought me out of focal dystonia and that uh, was facilitated the retraining and created a space for me to deal with music in a healthy way again. And it was written. She is a, has been a very special person in my life. So the whole album is dedicated to Jan. Well, that's amazing. I'm so glad that she was able to, you know, help you out. And I'm glad you kind of came through it on the other side because a uh, great musician. So I'm glad, glad to see things worked out for you. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate that very much. So be on the lookout August 31st for the new record, Ash Dust in the Chalkboard Cinema, and catch Peter and the band uh, October the 19th at Wilson Lane Studio out in Bushwick. And then uh, stay in touch with Peter. Make sure you're following him on Instagram so you can see when those tour dates come out about 2019, 2020. He's a busy guy, so you want to keep tabs on him. So uh, thanks, Peter. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much, Roy. Thank you so much again for having me, Nick. You got it. And that is Peter Nelson, and that's our conversation. Thanks so much for being here. Go check out Ash Dust and the Chalkboard Cinema, as well as the EP Clock Stories Volume 1, out both in this year, 2018. We're so glad to have Peter part of the Outside In Music family and all of our artists. If you want to see everyone, go to outsideinmusic.com. You can go to the artist page. You can see all the great things that are coming out. This fall is totally packed with great releases, things coming up from Hugh Caceres, a great Barcelonan, Catalonian, tenor sax player lucas pino amazing new york city nonet leader and composer and a lot more so stay tuned check us out on youtube facebook all those places all we have tons of videos coming out that's our main focus other than the podcasts and the album releases is a lot of live video content that came from this summer uh, 2018 and all of those videos are being uh, released some live gig footage uh Week to week, there's different bands putting out things like Jimmy O'Connell, Lucas Pino, Jordan Pate, Nick Finzer, myself, and uh, lots of great things. So thanks so much for listening. We'll be back here in just a week with another edition of Over Here and uh, our other monthly podcast. So thanks for listening, guys.